They are our dearest friends on the planet. We've been doing life together for almost 20 years. When, I, when, we, when we first met, I had hair. Come on, somebody. But they, they, they're our, our dearest, dearest friends, our best friends. If I ever got thrown in jail, Craig is the guy that I would call often. And so man, I'm so thankful that you guys are, are with us today. And, and thank you for, for joining us online. You're not just watching us, uh, watching us today. You are in with us. You're just in a different room. So thanks so much for being here. Get your notes out. Let's grow in our faith. You guys ready to grow? Here's, you're spiritually hungry around here. Come on, you want to grow in your faith. Well, I, I, I'm thrilled to launch out in this new series, and, and just, to, just to give you a little, you know, disarm some folks, we don't want anything from you. I know that you, you heard of a special giving Sunday that's coming up, and, and how awesome is it with the giving tree out in the lobby in a way that you can meet the needs of, of folks in the community, and, and thank God for the local church, guys. I mean, thank God. No one does church like the church, right? No one loves a community like the local church. And so I, I see that you're doing that. But I, I want to I let you know, just relax. Everybody take a deep breath. We, I don't want, there's not a special offering today. We're not, we're, not, we're not getting something from you. We literally want something for you. We want you to walk in the freedom of generosity. Generosity is not an offering moment. Generosity is a, well, is a way of living life eyes wide open. And, and when Craig shared with me this message series called Unhindered, I love that title because it reminded me of, of a Bible verse about the Apostle Paul. Apostle means a church planter. He was a missionary, a guy that, that ra- uh, planted churches, raised up leaders, and went on to the next town. And, and Paul, the Bible says at the end of his life, for two years, Acts 28, Paul stayed in his rented house and he welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught with all boldness and watch this, without hindrance. And what's funny there is if you don't know the backstory, <coughs> excuse me, of that story is, is he's under house arrest. So guys, that's a whole lot of hindrance going on. But even in a, in a house arrest situation, he was unhindered in his impact for the kingdom of God. So when we launch into this season of, 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 of being unhindered in our, in our generosity, maybe you're feeling the pinch. Maybe you're like, Pastor, have you not seen the gas prices? Pastor, have you, have you, are you not paying attention to the real estate? Listen, I'm from Atlanta. I know what gas prices in real estate looks like. Maybe, maybe you're thinking, man, I've got a, a pinch going on in my, in my resources right now. You don't have to wait for a perfect season to be generous. You can be unhindered right in a tight time, right in, right in a moment of, uncomfortable, uh, of uncomfortableness. Now, what I want to do is I want to share some, some, I guess, some hindrances in generosity. And then we're going to get super practical today because I, like Pastor Craig, I love practical Christian teaching. I love practical theology because it's good if we get excited, but if we can't walk it out, it's good for nothing. So we're going to walk this thing out this afternoon and give, give you some action steps on how to become and live a life of generosity. The first hindrance that I see of, of generosity is this. Number one, if you're a note taker, write this down, that we forget how blessed we really are. We, we forget how blessed we, we really are. The, in the Bible, Paul had this protege in the faith, a son in the faith. His name was Timothy, and, and Timothy was a pastor. And so Paul was speaking to Timothy and giving him instruction. Hey, hey, Timothy, 
Be sure, 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world. He's talking about resources, those that have a lot of money. Command them. Don't encourage them. Don't say, if you feel like it, command them. Create a sense of urgency when you say, do not be arrogant or put your hope in your wealth. And when we read verses like this, we say to each other, that's right, Paul, you tell those rich people what to do. You tell them, you remember, don't you be, that's right, Paul. But really, when we compare our lives to rich people, we, we think that we're not rich. But the truth is, globally, we're better off than most. Because you and I, we do this. We compare our life to those on Instagram, which is a lie, by the way. That's not their jet airplane, by the way. Come on, right? They, they, we compare our lives with those who we always compare up. We never compare down, do we? Oh, thanks for that big no amen right there. Here's some stats that would probably remind you how rich that you and I really are. If you own a car, you are rich because 91% of American households own one vehicle. 33.1% own two vehicles, but less than 18% of people globally own a car. Wow. Like, it, we, it, we I, I, and I've seen some of your houses. We are so rich that we have houses for our cars. They're called, see, you're rich. You have them too. Right? Then the other thing is, is if you earn $48,000 per year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. Yeah, but my cousin, I'm not talking about your cousin. I'm talking about globally. Hey, we're better off than most. We're blessed, everybody. Right? What's the point? What's the point? The point is we're rich. And rich people, if you're like me, we say goofy things. We say dumb things. We, we go to our houses and, and we walk into rooms that are built for our clothes. They're called, you have them too. And we walk into, and I've got two daughters. Somebody say, help him, Jesus. They'll walk into their closet and they'll go, I've got nothing to. You're rich. You say those things too. So that I've, got no, I've, got nothing, I've got nothing to wear. And when we do this, we, we struggle we struggle with a scarcity mindset, and we forget how blessed we really are. All right? Here's another, the next hindrance could be, we forget that we're not the owner, we're just a steward. We're not the owner. Like the Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Like, his, it's his footstool. But the First Chronicles chapter 29 says, Praise be to you, O Lord, the God of our Father Israel. From everlasting to everlasting, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. Hey, South Point, could you read this with me? For everything in heaven and in earth is whose? Let's say that again. And for everything in heaven and earth is? It belongs to the Lord. I, I have two daughters, and, and when they were little, we used to go to McDonald's, and we still go to McDonald's. <laughs> I did the other day. So um, uh, we, we, we were there, and, and I would say, hey, listen, Daddy's going to take a tithe off of your fries. Come on, somebody. And I would, I would just take a couple just to eat on the way home, you know, and they would go, these are my fries. And I'm like, bless God. All good, every good, and every perfect gift comes down from this father who will take that fry. I bought those fries. You're in my car. Get out of the car. 
right? We, we have a saying around our house. It, we, have, we have gas stations, two primarily, it's the um, primary gas station, Racetrack and Quick Trip. In our, quick Trip, we got a Quick Trip. Okay, so I, I, I have this thing, my, my, my vice is Coca-Cola Ices. I guarantee you they will be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I guarantee it, okay, in heaven. So, so they, when I say, hey, I, I've got to run to the, to the gas station, that's code for I'm getting a Coca-Cola Icy and I've got a Phillips. Who's coming with, right? And, we, and, they, and my girls both will go, ooh, ooh, I've got a 22-year-old and a 14-year-old. And both of them will go, ooh, I'll go. Why? Because we've got a saying in my house, whoever hangs out with the Father gets the blessings. Come on. But they know if I just get close to that joker, if I ask him for a Kit Kat, he can't so, say no to his daughters. It is true. They're going to make me broke. Because I love blessing my kids. Can, hey, everybody, we've got a good heavenly father that loves people, that takes really good care of his kids, but we need to remember he's the owner. We're just a steward. What is steward? Steward is an old English word, a term, that represented a person that lived on the estate, and he was responsible for taking care of the assets, taking care of the property for the owner. Hey, guys, he's the owner. The next one is this, is we forget we're just passing through. This life, life is more than this life. And, and, and the, the old saints, our grandparents and great-grandparents, they didn't put much stock in this world. Today, our generation, my generation, we are enamored with what the world can offer. The, our grandparents, they were enamored with each other and Jesus. They're, they were not and still are not impressed with what the world can offer. And I'm not saying that we live que sera, sera, whatever will be, will be, but they just know that they're just passing through. I, I, was, I, was raised, I was raised in church. How many people, you would say, honestly, you, I was raised in church, Pastor. I was raised in church, yeah. Okay, we used to have these long things called pews. Come on. And, and on that pew would be these like, like crushed velvet, red, easily burgundy red, olive green, crushed velvet. I took many a good nap on those pews, ladies and gentlemen. Right? But I, we, we, we would sing from, from the hymn book. Y'all know about hymn books? Here in Mississippi, I know you do, okay? So the, the hymnals, we, we have the, the red back hymnal. Now, if you had a red back hymn, hymn book, you know Jesus was coming, right? And the, the, the choir director would always say, ladies and gentlemen, let's sing the first, the second, and the fourth stanza. The third stanza never got any love. Now, why did they even write it if we never were going to sing it? But we would sing songs, those old saints would sing songs about heaven. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see, we'll sing and see. These are all the old people singing right now. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, we're just passing through. I'm here to remind you today. I feel like somebody needs to hear that. Just, if you live to be 120, vapor. This life is a vapor. My, 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 my grandmother is 95 years old. She's living with my, my mom and my dad right now. And she, she also stays with, with me and Sandra, my wife. And, and she's 95. Listen, when you're 95, you can say stuff that nobody else can say. You get a direct pass. And we go, that's right, Nana. Whatever you say. Or that's not right, Nana. You can't say that. Anyway, 
So, so she, Nana, she, she's a pistol. She's a pistol. She, she says, honey, I watch you every Sunday. You're one of my favorite preachers. I was like, one? One? She goes, yeah. I said, so, so how am I doing? She goes, eh, you're okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Grandma. But, but Nana is 95 years old. And this, this rope is 50. Hey, could you grab that? Pastor Tracy, just grab that. It's, it's, I don't know, 50 feet. We, we could have gotten 100, but, but I just, you know, why, why spend it? You get the picture. Watch. This represents eternity. This represents your life. Say you live to be 120. Good for you. But in the scope of eternity, why are you putting so much fear into this when God's got this planned? Why are you getting wrapped around the axles about what someone posted or what someone said or didn't say? God's got eternity handled. We are, we are so quick to think that our life is all about this when we are eternal beings. We're, we're not having this spiritual experience on a Sunday. We are spiritual beings, spirit beings, and we are having an earth experience. You will stand before God one day. We will all stand before God one day. You will be in relationship with him or forever separated from him. Not mean preaching, just Bible. Listen, then why do you care so, why is this keeping you up at night? I'm speaking to somebody today. Why is this keeping you up at night? What are you so, well, don't you know the elections are coming and don't you know the gas prices and don't you, and don't you know that in my father's house, Jesus said, there's plenty of places, there's plenty of rooms, I've got it all, I'm going to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. Come on now. Guys, earthly, there's nothing wrong with earth experience. There's nothing wrong with this, but this is not it. The, the, the Bible, Paul says it like this. He says in, in, in Colossians, Since then you have been raised, oh, I love this, with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things, not on earthly things. I'm not talking about being so heavenly minded that you're no earthly good. But I am saying it's time to reset our priorities. It's time to reset our mind and go, wait a minute. God is real. Heaven and hell are real. One of my favorite stories in the Bible that, that has this, this idea of eternity is, is the book of Job. Job was a very wealthy person. Had lots of resources. He, he would be your Elon Musk. I mean, he, he had a lot of resources back in that day. And, and in Job chapter 1, verse 7, how many of y'all glad you came to church? Come on. How many of y'all glad you're here and not in surgery? Okay, that got the rest of you. Okay, here we go. Okay, the Bible says, and, and seven sons and three daughters were born to Job. Also, his possessions were, now watch these numbers, 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household, so that this man was the greatest of all the people in the East. So he had a lot of stuff. He was also dedicated to the Lord, loved God. And, and, and Satan comes to God one day and he goes, hey, listen, of course he's committed to you. Of course he loves you. Of course he's devoted to, to loving you. Look at all the stuff you've blessed him with. I tell you what, if you let me have Adam, if you let me have his stuff, if you let me take and hurt his life, I guarantee you it turns back on you. Well, the Bible says he didn't. 
Matter of fact, even people that said, why don't you just curse God and die? He said, you do not know what you're talking about. He knew where his help came from. But in chapters 1 and 2, it describes the worst possible day anyone could ever experience. Thieves came and stole all of his stuff. His kids' lives were, 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 were taken. They, he, they died in a tragic accident. You go on reading and his, his, his own body became very sick and he lost everything. But if you go down and read the end of the book, and by the way, I would encourage you, read the entire book, but go and read what God did in the end. Don't start saying, well, I guess I'm just a Job. Hey, keep reading. It's a good ending. Job chapter 42. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than the beginning. Wait a minute. He was already the greatest on the planet in the east over there. Right? For he had 14 sheep. Wait a minute. I thought he had 7,000. No, God doubled it. He had 6,000 camels. Look at that. God doubled it again. He had 1,000 yoke of auction. Doubled it. And 1,000 female donkeys. Doubled it. But when you read the next part, it's kind of disappointing. It says, Job also had seven sons and, and three daughters. But wait a minute. God, why would, you, why would you double his stuff and not double his life? Like his legacy. Why? And I was reading that one day, and God showed me something. I did double his life. I, I, I did double his legacy because he's already got kids in heaven. You read the book of Job, and you're staring at this. God wrote the book of Job, and he's looking at that. He's got kids waiting on him. And yes, God blessed this. But this, watch, kids, people are eternal. Come on, that's good. I just, I just, I just amen myself. Good, good preaching. Okay, so let's do this. Let's do this. We Americans, we American Christians say that we're concerned about eternity, but our financial behavior says that we're consumed about temporary things. And this is what a study came from the Barna, the Barna Group. Research of the Barna Group said that the average Christian in America gives 2% of their income to the Lord. Less than 5% of attending Christians uh, tithe, tithe, T-I-T-H-E. It, it means return 10%, give 10% of their income. Less than, two, less than 5%. The average Christian spends more at Starbucks than they give to the Lord. The average Starbucks customer uh, spends $1,270. That says that we're more, we're more obsessed with coffee than we're concerned about Christ. 54% of people who attend church give zero. Another 23% give $1,000 or less annually. What is the real reason that our behavior doesn't line up with our beliefs? Could it be we've become impressed only with what the world can offer instead of what our Savior can provide? I don't want anything for you, from you. I want something for you today. I want you to have an eternal perspective. You can be unhindered, not just for today, not just for a message series. You can be unhindered for life and into eternity with the way that you hold and handle and manage God's things. So let's do this. Let's get really practical with, with our faith today. I want to give you some practical app, application steps. I'm like Pastor Craig. I love practical theology. Let's walk this out today. So, you want, so you're saying give till you get? No, give till you obey God. Yeah. Uh, go give till it hurts. 
We don't, he's not slot machine Jesus. If I do this, then he's going to do this. No, he saved us from our sins. Is that enough, everybody? So if I, if I give this, he's going to give me? Stop it. That's transactional. He's relational. He doesn't, you think, do you really think? Like, never has God ever looked down and said, ooh-wee, I'd like to get a hold of that action right there. Look at that bank account. What we value, what we value, gold, he calls asphalt. That's just pothole stuff. We think that's something. Change your point of view, okay? So we've got what, what I'm, I'm going to call the, the giving ladder. And this is some practical application. And identify yourself. Where are you on, on the giving ladder? First of all, it's this. It's a potential giver. Potential giver is, is you, have, you have resources that are flowing some way into your life. Okay, all my note takers, you're a potential giver. And watch this. Even children can be a potential giver. <gasps> did you just? Yes, I did. Because you have to disciple your kids. You have to train and teach your kids. Because watch, besides the word dada and mama, the other word that kids come out of the womb saying is mine. You do not have to teach them that word. They just automatically know it. Well, what happens is when they grow up, they still think it's theirs. I'm preaching pretty good. 78% better than their eight minutes. My mom and dad would, would, would put little envelopes. Remember back in the day, you had envelopes, and we would put our change in the envelopes. And, 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 and guys, they gave it to me. Why, would, why didn't they just put it in with the check? Because they were discipling me. They were training me to release what was in my hand. You have to teach your kids to do this because the world teaches them to hold on to everything. God says to live life like this. <laughs> and they did it with this, with this in mind. God, we're going to teach him how to do this because one day, one day, one day we're believing that he'll be able to do this with millions. And God has done that with our churches. But I didn't learn it as a 20-year-old. I didn't learn it as a 15-year-old. I learned it when I could, I could not write my name because they wrote it for me on, an, on a little envelope. Parents, lead your home. Watch what God can do with your babies and your grandbabies. Oh, I'm preaching. Come on, this y'all are so much fun. Here's, here's another one is this. It's, it's an, an emerging giver. So I'm new to the process. I, I, I'm just kind of starting and, and I'm excited, but it, it, I'm on a learning curve. It's a little bit new. And can I tell you, I celebrate you today. Wherever, whatever that faith step looked like for you, I celebrate you because now you're part of the process. Now, this is what the devil would tell you. It's not really that much because you don't earn that much. And you would say, well, pastor, I'll start doing this when I'm able to, get, to, to give more. So I, I've got to earn more so I can give more. No, 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 because you typically you will not raise your level of giving. You'll raise your level of, give, of, of living. And by the way, this is what I teach all of our church. You never disobey your way into obedience. Selah. Here's another step. Are y'all ready for this one? That's what I'll, I'll, it's called a consistent giver. This is what I like about consistent givers. Is consistent givers, I, I love consistent givers because they don't need goosebumps and keys to be played to feel their way into a giving moment. They, don't not, they do not give by pressure. They give by principle. He's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. 
<laughs> he gave me Jesus. Are you, and I'm going to hold something back? Are you kidding me? Pictures that are sad with tears, that are trying to work on emotions, they do not move a consistent giver. I'm not giving because I'm sad. I'm giving because he's God. <laughs> Thank you for saving my life, Miss Katie. Okay, in, in theory, this worked. Okay, and so uh, the, the next step is a little bit scarier. Some of you are like, it's okay. If I die, my wife will mourn with her toes in the sand of Aruba. <laughs> Insurance. And so, uh, so a tither is this. It's a tither. What is that? It's someone who returns, not give. Don't you mean give? I can't give. That's what's not mine. Right? I, if, if I gave you my car keys and say, hey, can you, can you go do something for me real quick? And you came back and say, Pastor, I just want to give you a car. I'm like, fool, give me my keys. They're not your keys. That's my car. It's so funny how we get a haughty spirit and go, God, I am giving you. Look at all these zeros because I'm pretty smart. He's like, who gave you that skill set? Who gave you that wisdom? Who gave you that ability? So we return the tithe. And by the way, the, that is worship. And according to Malachi chapter 3, we now live under an open heaven. Come on. And God's pouring out more room than we have room to, room to receive. He's giving out more blessing than we have room enough to receive. It, it, we're living the God first life. We're not doing it out of, if I don't, God's going to get me like he's a mob boss. Are you kidding me? He loves his kids. But now I'm positioned for his blessing. But guess what? Some, some people believe that the tithe is the ceiling. The tithe is the training wheels. Because there's another step. Because I've returned 10%. That means I've got 90% left over. And we already read that it all belongs to him anyway, right? So we're going to do this without dying. Don't breathe. Okay. 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 This is the next step is called extravagant giving. Extravagant. And this is what's cool about this next step is it's a little bit scary. I, there's a whole lot of trust. There's, it feels unstable. Hey, watch this. But the view is amazing. The view is unbelievable from up here. And God says, listen, I want to bless you and pour out blessing, but I need you to ask me, hey, I still have 90% left over and the Holy Spirit from time to time will move on your heart and say, do this, do that, do something radical, but do something for the giving tree, do something in the community, in invest more in the church, do something with a, a God-first organization. Like the Holy Spirit, hey everybody, the Holy Spirit's real, and He wants to speak to your heart. And I've always found this to be true, I'll never be able to outgive God. Whenever I do that, it just keeps coming back in my life. And I keep going saying, God, what else do you want? I'm about to get off this ladder now. Ooh, thank you, Ms. I am sweating. <laughs> I am sweating like nobody's business right now. This dome is glowing. Cirque du Soleil for middle-agers right here, everybody. Where are you on that ladder? 
Are you potential, emerging, consistent? Are you tithing? Are you extravagant giving? Extravagant giving, if you'll notice in the Bible, it's never a number. It's just what God's asking. It's not like it's a certain percent. No, no, no. It's, it's just a, out of a heart of gratitude. God, it's all yours anyway. It's all yours anyway. I look at my life, and I'm so, I'm so blessed to be part of a, raising a family who, who got that and taught me that earlier on. Because I don't struggle with this, but there are times where I'm like, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> How much? But you know what? I look at the lives that are changed through my investing in my local church. And it's so fulfilling to live life with eyes wide open, knowing that there will be people in heaven, watch this, from Italy, that will come up to you and they'll say, hey, I just want to say thank you. You're here. I'm here because, because of you. And you're like, I wasn't on that team. I wanted to go. I didn't make that, that missions trip to Italy. And they said, no, 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 no. Because you gave, because you gave, there was a church that was planted in my city. And, and I heard the gospel for the first time. And I heard that God wasn't mad at me, but that God was mad about me. And, and, and my whole, listen, I'll be introduced you to the rest of my family because it, it just went throughout my household and my friend group and we all got saved and we grew the church. We planted other churches around the nation. And you can say, you know what, I was there. I wasn't there, but I was there. Your generosity is making an eternal difference. Amen? Are y'all glad you came to church today? Me too. Let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this radically generous church. <laughs> thank you. I feel like I'm not even talking, I'm not talking them in anything. I'm fanning the flame on their generosity. Bless them so they can continue to be a blessing. I thank you for Pastors Craig and Patty and the team, and the leaders, the elders, and the way they live with integrity of heart, skillfulness of hands. But God, there reaches a point where we need to be a blessing and we need resources to do it. So supernaturally, through these amazing families, do it, God, and do it in our lifetime. So that one day, we'll have that conversation in heaven. Someone will walk up and say, thanks, because what you did, because what you gave, I'm here. Still in an attitude of prayer. I don't want to drag this out, but ask yourself this question. Have you forgotten how blessed you are? Have you slipped up and created an owner mindset instead of realizing, yeah, I just managed God's stuff? Have you, been come, have you become enamored with what the world can offer and you've forgotten, hey, we're just passing through? Well, God wants to help you with that today as you take your next step in generosity. Still in an attitude of prayer. I never close out a ministry moment without giving people the opportunity to come to the Lord, to start a relationship with God or come back and renew your relationship with Jesus. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I, 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 I know about God, but I don't know God. I don't have a real relationship with Him. 
What I'm offering you right now is not religion. It is a real relationship with the Heavenly Father. Or maybe you'd be here today and you'd say, you know what, I, I walk with God. There was a time where I walked with Him in step and I was living for Him. If we'd just be gut level honest, I'm not where I used to be and I want to change that. I want to, I want to recommit my life to Christ. I want to know that I know that I know that I'm right with God and, and I want God to do use me and to be a blessing to those around me. Either of those invitations, how I want to start a relationship with God or how I want to recommit my life to Jesus Christ today. I'm going to say a general prayer over the crowd. Those that are joining us online, this is for you as well. If you would be here today and be so bold, say, please count me in on prayer. Count me in. I mean business with God. Slip your hand up on the count of three. Slip it right back down. That's just you saying, include me in that prayer. Are you ready? I'm not going to drag it out. Come on. One, two, three. Anybody in this place? God bless your hands going up everywhere. Come on. This is awesome. This is awesome. Yeah, awesome. I love it. I love it. I love it. In the back. Yeah. To the side. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Man, God bless you. This is amazing. God's doing something, isn't he? Come on, God's doing something. He's a generous God. He loves people. All right, this is what I want to do. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm going to say a prayer. And I want us all to say this out loud in support of the people that are making the decision to to start a relationship with Christ or to, to come on back home and be a part of the family of God. Say this out loud. Let your heart agree with it. Say, Heavenly Father. Come on, really loud. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that he is the Son of God. I believe he died on a cross. I believe he rose from the dead. Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I am so sorry for living life my way. Today, I surrender to you right now. Save me. Make all things new. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we seal this in the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you're filling people with your Holy Spirit. Lord, you're not just making their life better. You're making their life new. And we're so grateful for what you're doing here at South Point. God, I thank you for the leadership of this church. I thank you for the people. But maybe this is their very first day. But when they came in, they, they knew, I just came home. I just came home. God, I thank you for all the people that we're going to be able to reach with the good news of Christ. May the Lord bless you, church. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you. Lift up his countenance upon you. And may God give you what the world cannot. May God give you his peace. In Jesus' name, if you receive that. Can we put our hands together for the folks that made decisions for Jesus today? All right, Miss Katie.